Welcome everyone to Rock M Nation Podcasts. Uh, this is going to be an episode of Bench Minutes. My name is Sam Snelling. Uh, with me, as usual, is everyone's favorite former Tiger uh, and my co-host, Jarrett T. Sutton. Jarrett, how are you? I'm good, Sam. Thanks for having me. It's been a little while since uh, since we last talked. Excited for, for basketball season to get here. won't be too long until we start practice. We are like counting down the minutes, you and I, I think. That's right. I, we are. I... Uh, it's not. Good. I think it's what the twenty fourth is official practice, and I know guys are. It's so different than when I played, right? It's like they, these guys get so much practice time now before they even start practice officially. So yeah, because you're, uh, you're like an thing. old man now. I know, man. I'm in the old category. <laughs> everything gets better when you leave. We've talked about this before. It's just it, everything gets better. I don't understand it. Yeah, um, I, I think I've got like like ten years on. Did you just you just turned thirty, right? I'm 31 now. Oh, 31. That, yeah, so there is one year off. Yeah, there is a uh, there is a, a full 10 years between us. Uh, I am 21. Uh, just became eligible to 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 drink alcohol. I'm very excited about it. Um, and if uh, I have to, <laughs> I have to I have to tell the story. I'm at I went to the Mizzou uh, football game on Saturday, and I'm walking into the stadium. I see Coach Pinkle. I go up, shake his hand, say hi to him. And the first thing he asked me is, do you have any eligibility left? And I thought, you know, Coach, I appreciate that. You know, you're making me feel young. I don't have any eligibility left, but it was it was just good to get around Coach again and, and him just kind of talking shop. That was a lot of fun. I feel like you're a youthful uh, 31. Like you have a little bit of a – got a little bit, bit of a baby face and – <laughs> I, I would I would say yeah I'd agree with that probably yeah I agree with that I'm good with that yeah I've I've been growing the beard out so I'm I'm doing my best like Spencer Hall impression I've got the uh, the long beard I'm I'm pr- pretty ragged I'm everyone's just like yeah you look 41 now I'm like oh thanks that's that's uh, yeah. that's a compliment um, but we're not here to talk See, about I'm our not- appearances Jared <laughs> uh, yeah I was just gonna say I can't even grow a beard so let's not even talk about it. <laughs> well, it, it, if it makes you feel better, I think it was. Uh, I think I was probably in my early 30s before I was really able to, to grow something that that resembled a beard. Um, my big problem, like, was I had a really a lot of issues growing a mustache, um, and now my mustache kind of comes in pretty decent, so I, I I stick with the beard. Nice. I have buddies that are like losing hair on top, but they're they can grow a perfect beard. So I always tell them, at least my my hair's staying intact on top, but I just can't grow the grow the beard yet. Yeah, if if you're gonna pick one, it'd, it'd be to keep the hair on top, right? <laughs> I think so. Although I think the beard looks good. Beard games always I always uh, am, am envious of, I guess. So, but hey, maybe maybe one day it'll it'll actually connect and I'll be able to grow something. Oh, uh, we can always we can always hope and be hopeful. Uh, so enough about my beard game. <laughs> so Missouri basketball uh, is a thing. Yeah, so we're we're getting. We're fully in the sort of preseason uh, mode where uh, everybody's on campus. Uh, all the players are, are are doing you know very regular workouts. The coaches are able to sort of get in there and and, and participate with them, um, you know, and sort of sort of run these like semi practice things where they're doing a lot of teaching and and whatnot. Um, we're still a little ways from the season, and uh, and I, I actually think this week we're probably going to get our SEC schedule, which to me kind of really kicks off, um, you know, the the, the preseason because that's when I really sort of hamper down and start writing my previews. Um, but overall, so the off season, I, I guess we could say, is wrapped up. 
Would you consider this like a successful offseason for Missouri? I know there wasn't a whole lot of movement recruiting-wise. They did sign uh, Kobe Brown late. They got Axel Congo late. Uh, was this a successful offseason for Conzo Martin? I think so. I mean, um, no, not a lot of movement really on the recruiting front. Um, you know, it was good that, that Caleb Love was on campus this last weekend. Um, it is good that Conzo uh, is very much in play for – for some top-level guys, uh, even though um, Cameron Fletcher didn't uh, end up working out. But, um, you know, I think that just the fact that Conzo is continuing uh, to really make St. Louis um, an important piece of his recruiting process and, you know, making that very much uh, a part of what he's trying to build is important, um, you know, even if he is missing out on these guys. And I think this is by far the biggest year for Conzo Martin. Um, outside of the first year where it was the Michael Porter situation that that was great and it, it really kind of gave the fan base some life and some energy after what was a really treacherous run of, of losing basketball. And it felt like there was this positive momentum. And he, although the Michael Porter situation didn't work out and, and even Jonte last year with the injuries, um, you know, he's still shown well. Uh, and what he's trying to build and what his program's going to be at, at a foundational level. But I think when you look at this offseason, I think a lot still remains to be seen once we start practice uh, and once that preseason and those first couple games start out uh, before they go to the Hall of Fame Classic here in Kansas City, which I think will be a good test for them right out of the gate. But I'm really excited to see, most importantly, this, this freshman class that will be sophomores this upcoming season – um, and Torrance Watson, Xavier Pinson, and, and Javon Pickett, just because you know we saw some good signs from them last year, and they got to take some significant strides forward into that sophomore class. And, and talking about just building back programs, you have to have classes and guys that are returners and guys that can take significant steps forward. And I would put Jeremiah Tillman in the same conversation. I mean, I think Jeremiah is older, obviously. I think he understands what's in front of him and just being able to stay on the floor. That's probably the most important piece because I think Jeremiah can be such an impact player in the SEC. So it all depends on how these guys really transform themselves and how they develop because, yeah, you, you do have a Mario McKinney coming in, uh, a Trey Jackson coming in. Those guys have a chance to really give you a lot of, of uh, lift uh, as freshmen, whether it be off the bench or starting, whatever it might be. But they got to look up to some people. And, and is that sophomore class going to be able to take that leadership role? And is Jeremiah Tillman going to be there? And how does Mark Smith and Drew Smith grow? I think Drew Smith has a chance to have really an impact on this team right out of the gate. And I think you would agree with that just with his ability um, to not only handle the ball, to shoot the ball. But I, I think he's someone that Conzo is really going to depend a lot on as we, as we turn the page uh, into the 2019-2020 season. So a lot to be, dis you know, to be un uncovered, I guess, if you will. Um, it's all about player development and, and players taking a step forward. I think Conzo's showing he's, he's wanting to have an ability to play multiple lineups, to have, you know, a, a, maybe a, an offense that has shooters all around the floor and still have a big man presence. But having quick athletic versatility and, and being able to play different lineups um, even though, yeah, I would like for them to have a little bit more size, they still got some good speed. They got some good athletic ability. And what we saw last year is if they can stay healthy, they got, they got guys that can shoot the ball and make outside shots, which is really important in today's day and age with, the, with this game and where it's going. So you kind of mentioned uh, Jeremiah Tillman. He's a guy that I, I wanted to kind of hone in a little bit and focus on a little. 
mainly because, and and uh, I think I don't know if you read C.J. Moore's piece in the Athletic. Um, I'm always a big fan of, of C.J. and his writing. I think he does a good job of of really kind of breaking down and, and getting granular uh, into uh, each team. But but Jeremiah Tillman is is, is such a key for uh, for Missouri, and 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 one of the things that he pointed out is. Uh, is well defensively, Missouri is is always going to be good with or without Jeremiah Tillman on the floor. the The difference is offensively and what he's able to do as far as changing the angles of of the court. Uh, Missouri with Jeremiah Tillman um, on the floor shot thirty nine point four percent from the three point line. With him off the floor, it was just thirty three percent, and that's a significant number. Um, for for people who aren't aware, and I think I think you realize that Jarrett, that uh, anytime you're gonna you're knocking on the door of forty percent shooting, um, and that's with a guy who's not taking three point shots. That's just what he does with the floor. So, um, and I also I, I sort of ran a stat. I don't remember it quite off the top of my head, but um, in games that Jeremiah f- fouled, uh, I think it was like f- either four or f- had either four or five fouls. He averaged like 11 or 12 minutes per game uh, as a freshman. And that number last year was was actually closer to 20 to 23 minutes, I think. Um, so if he's a guy who's going to be able to learn to stay on the floor, uh, you know, what sort of ceiling does he help create for this Missouri program? Well, I think the, that point CJ made in his, his piece is, is right because for, for me as, as, as a guy that – values what it means to be a three-point shooter having you know the experience of playing with guys that could really shoot the ball and and playing on teams at Missouri that had to have the three-point shot but in order to have the three-point shot your big men make a lot of that happen whether it be screening or just their present presence and movement in the painted area and and really what you're doing within offensive sets to have some some level of of trust that you know the defense has to be honest They, they they can't just play you for the three-point shot they're also going to guard the the the, the painted area they're going to guard the perimeter and when you have a guy that you can throw the ball inside to that can draw some attention that you can play off of that I I think an underrated part of Jeremiah's game is his ability to make passes out of the block now sometimes you know he doesn't fake one throw one he'll try to pass through double teams or extended you know arms that are, are are closing out on him in that low block or in the short corner he gets in trouble there but he's a, such a presence on the floor, and, and I think above all else, the best time for a three-point shot is off an offensive rebound. And of, of Jeremiah's, I think he had over 180 rebounds last year. He had 74, I believe, that were on the offensive glass, and that's important. I mean, you got to have a presence on the offensive glass, and Jeremiah is smart enough. He's getting better. It, it, it hasn't come all the way to fruition, but he's getting better at thinking the game and not just trying to be – you know, a bull in a china shop where he's throwing his body around. He's a strong player. He's physical. He's got a high motor. I love that about him. But it's also making the right play and the right read and, and being able to give your team extra possessions. I think all of that helps Missouri shooting the ball. And you've got to have a team that can make outside shots. We saw that in the Kim Anderson era. They, they could not make outside shots. It was a real problem. It's what, why they struggled so much on offense. But when you have a guy that you can throw the ball inside to, that knows that he can work it back out and he can actually score on single coverage. The defense has to give up something. So I think it just keeps the defense honest. And really what I want to see from him next year, he's always had great feet. He runs the floor very well. He has 
all the tools to be an impact player on the offensive end and defensive end. I think he's a good shot blocker. It, the, the key is playing solid defensively, not picking up cheap fouls in the pick and roll defensively. That's an area he's got to get his hips down. He's got to get lower. He has to move laterally better. He can't come up overly aggressive and not low because guards see that and he gets a lot of blocking calls. He gets fouls that he gets very frustrated with, but it's just thinking the game through and, and taking the next step. And coaches can be on him and he can watch film and he can do simulated in practice. But when the lights come on, he has got to continue to take that preparation to the game. There's too many times where he loses his cool. I go back to the Tennessee game right out of the gate last year in conference play when he picked up a technical foul in the first five minutes. And I know for a fact that on that Tennessee scouting report going into that game, they were talking about getting into Jeremiah Tillman's head, you know, making him pick up cheap fouls, being physical with him, trying to be over-aggressive, not cheap shotting, but trying to be overly physical with him to, to try to rattle him a little bit. And that's where Jeremiah's got to take a step forward. It's the mental toughness side of this. I'm okay with him from a skill set standpoint. He has shown enough where I think he can really be a dominant threat in the league at his position. It's just putting everything together from the mental toughness component of this, but then also thinking the game through, thinking uh, through it a, a step ahead, right? It's seeing a play develop. All those things that come with slowing the game down as you get older, that's the step that, that Jeremiah is going to really have to take to help this team. So one of the off-season uh, marketing I guess is the right way to say it. Uh, things that they've that Missouri has sort of done on on Twitter is they've sort of monikered themselves as Big Guard U, which uh, I, you know, it's it's fine. And I'm not usually bothered by these sorts of little things that, uh, um, you know, that that any program wants to take on. And 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 if you look at uh, Missouri, they certainly have a lot of you know big guards who are capable of being physical you look at at drew smith mark smith uh, you think torrence watson could certainly uh you know fit into that mold of guys who are um you know six six three six four six five and and all capable of being physical um but what what you sort of do is is create a uh i guess a, a focus on what i think are probably going to be the two most important guards and that's drew and mark and they are bigger guards. They're more physical guards. They're both sort of capable of handling primary ball handling duties. Um, so I want to sort of talk about what those guys will mean to Jeremiah. Um, because one thing I think that, that Drew Smith is going to be really good at is, is, is pick and rolls. And I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see Martin and, and his staff get Jeremiah Tillman in that game a little more, because I think he could be really effective as a role guy. Um, and, and sort of crashing down towards the basket as opposed to um, solely sort of being that, you know, plant him on the, uh, you know, on the block and, and, you know, try and enter the ball in from the wing. Uh, so what do you, what do you think of the impact that, um, that, that Drew Smith can kind of have and, and Mark Smith a little bit as well on Jeremiah's this has become, you know, a little bit more of a focal point with the ball. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. I mean, I, I think playing out of the pick and roll, but, but ultimately getting Jeremiah off the block, um, off the initial action into their primary half-court offense. So Jeremiah's posting up on the block, and they're trying to run a set to Jeremiah. and He's being overplayed. There's this level of standing and trying to force a post pass into the low block from a guard 
or that play breaking down because they're not getting that look, they're not getting that post-entry pass, teams scout you. So what's your, what's your next step, right? What's the next counter in that set? And that's Jeremiah coming off the block. And this is something we did with Ricardo Ratliff back um, in, in my era with, with Marcus and Phil and Mike was if the first initial post-entry pass, the one Mississippi, two Mississippi, it should be in not just the guard's mind, but the post player's mind as well, that we're right into our counter. And, and that is side pick and roll. Um, you can do a lot of things off of a side pick and roll. There can be a slip there. I mean, there's a lot of different wrinkles you can put into your offense that can just create angles and create space. The biggest thing with this to where I think Conzo hasn't maybe implemented those things is trusting Jeremiah, is trusting that, look, if there's a side pick and roll and a double comes and a guard has to give the ball up and they give it to Jeremiah, is he going to make the right decision? Is he a guy that can make the catch, turn and face, and find a shooter in the corner? Or is he going to catch and run over someone? Can he be trusted with catching the ball and putting your big men in, I guess, positions to be successful? Because especially when Jeremiah is so valued and there is this hold your breath every game of we can't allow him to get in foul trouble, I think that seeps in the guard's mindset, and, and I, I do think that is a thing. Um, when I look at Drew and Mark, though, I mean, Mark took such a great step forward in just being a complete player from when he got to from, – from Illinois to that first year now with Mizzou, not just being a shooter. I mean, we did see him be a lethal knockdown outside shooter, but what I was so impressed with was, was his ability to go rebound on the defensive end and offensive end. He was physical. He didn't give up on plays. Uh, I, I really just love his mentality the whole season. It was unfortunate he had the injury, but I was impressed with Mark, and I, I think he had a strong showing of what he's capable of being next year. It's it's the same mentality, right? You got to take even another step. I still think there's ways Mark can improve. It, it is getting to the rim. It's creating contact. It's decision making when you put the ball on the floor. It's shot faking. It's having your feet ready, using more flare screens, curling more. There's a lot of different actions. I think Mark can even get better at. Uh, to, to help open him up a little bit more, maybe getting him to the rim and not falling in love with that outside shot. And I'm okay with the big guard you, this, you know, discussion and the marketing. I'm okay with that. But here's the deal. They're going to be going up against length, right? I'm okay with big guard you. They got some strong presence uh, as far as guards that are physical, that are tough, and I love that. But they are going to go up against guards that have length and have size and have quickness and have you know, the ability to play above the rim. And I think that, to me, is where these guards are going to have to show Conzo and show not just you know themselves but the league that they're going to be able to make quick decisions because that's one of the things in the areas of their offense that sometimes can be frustrating for me is the sense of over-dribbling over or trying to create or not getting that pass, whether it be a post-entry pass or a pass that's taken away in their offense – and then it's sort of of everyone look at themselves and try to go one-on-one -on -one and play an isolation ball. That's when Missouri can be bad. When they're really good, it's quick passes, it's quick decisions, it's playing out of transition, it's pushing the pace, it's having a pass-first guard. I think Drew is going to bring a good dynamic with that, being able to push in, in transition. We'll see what happens uh, with Xavier Pinson and the growth that he can make. I think he showed some really good signs last year. Um, and then Torrance Watson is a guy that I'm, I'm just circling – as a guy that had some great moments last year in league play that just is right there on the cusp of jumping over that hurdle and really starting to become a guard that, that other teams in, in the SEC are really going to have to hone in on 
And, and that's what they need, right? They, they need a guy that can have – Torrance has got a 6'5 that can go do some things with the basketball and get in the paint and finish. And he's, he showed that he's got the ability to knock down shots as well. So it's good when you have multiple shooters. It's good that they got some size with Trey Jackson um, and a guy like Okongo. I think that's great. Kobe Brown, yes, you got some size there. But you also got some guards that can take a step forward if they can continue to share and push and, and, and make quicker decisions within their half-court structure on offense, they can still beat teams if they can make outside shots and, and have the ability to have an inside presence. But it's all going to start with Mark and Drew, to your point, because those guys have shown that they can really uh, play at a level that, that impacts the game on both ends of the floor. And ultimately, that outside shot is really what's going what's gonna to open up their offense. Yeah, so I'm interested in like the the big guard you because I'm I'm all for getting you know big physical guards. I think that's a it's a good way to to be able to win in college basketball if you have you know like more physical uh, older guards who are who are capable of of you know being strong and and um, you know and taking care of the ball and shooting the ball well. Uh, but one thing that I think. I associate with, and, and I think you would probably agree, and I'm hoping that, that uh, Drew Smith can kind of help this team out from this aspect, is finishing around the rim. Um, I think you look at Torrance, uh, and you can maybe sort of give him a little bit of an asterisk because he's, he was a freshman. Uh, same thing with, with Javon Pickett. I think Xavier Pinson was actually pr- really pretty good around the rim uh, when he wasn't maybe you know forcing a few things. Um, uh, but Mark Smith wasn't really good around the rim, and overall Missouri as a team was not very good around the rim. Uh, whereas you you insert a guy like Drew Smith, who is known for being uh, a you know a finisher and, and uh, having a really high true shooting percentage uh, while he's at Evans Evansville, and you sort of hope that translates uh, to Missouri's offense because if there's if Missouri was getting the ball into Jeremiah Tillman on the block and he's able to kick out like. Missouri's raining three pointers, and they're able to, you know, hit open looks uh, with anybody. It was it was when you had to kind of get those guys moving that they really struggled. And I'm kind of hoping that we can see uh, this this big guard you moniker sort of translate into being a more efficient team around the around the basket. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, those those players you name, right? When you come from high school to college, the speed of the game it, it can it can hit you right in the face. But I think the biggest thing is a lot of these guys, let's take Torrance Watson, for example. I mean, an elite scorer in high school, right? <laughs> the guy filled up the stat sheet and, and just was a player that everybody looked at as, man, he's going to come right in here and really perform at a high level. And it took him quite a while. I mean, that early on in non-conference play, he had some solid moments. He had some moments where Conzo couldn't put him on the floor. And I go back to some practices that I was able to go to early on before that season even started. And they were stressing with Torrance Watson, you must guard, you must defend. And, and to CJ's point, you know, Missouri's program with Conzo has always been is you will play defense, number one. It doesn't matter what position you're, you're at, you have to play defense. So I think that's the, the first thing that a freshman has to learn is, wait, I can't just go out on this floor and just roll the balls out and think that I'm just going to go dominate a game when the speed's different, the athleticism is different especially in the SEC, and finally some of these players like Torrance Watson, like Xavier Pinson, started to break through a little bit, right? And, and yeah, they, they, there's, there's a level of understanding how to score around the rim because in high school, 
you fly in, you get contact, you try to use your athleticism. There's no you know skill really going on. You're just trying to play physical. And you have to realize now when you get to be a sophomore, it's all about combo finishes. Can you finish off one foot? Can you finish over the top? Can you hit a floater? Can you use the glass softly? Those are all things that you that that make you a better player because you're you're it's a different speed. You're at a different level. You're 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 playing against guys six 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 seven, and you might be undersized. You got to find a way to finish, and you can't just depend on trying to create contact to get to the free throw. And there is a time and a place for that, but I think that's kind of the learning curve you go through as a freshman. And I, it was good to see each of those freshmen have good moments. Even Javon Pickett, who I think had struggles and yeah, the free throw shooting and, you know, things that he can really improve upon. The reason why Javon Pickett is loved by the staff is what he brings in other areas of the game, his work ethic. He communicates, he fixes things defensively. He'll take a charge. He does all he's, he's an unselfish player that you have to have on the floor, but Javon's got to take that step forward as well. That they, they have to be able to make the right reads and the right decisions and, and be able to finish some of these shots around the rim that they really struggled with a year ago. So um, it is all a work in progress. It's all about that skill development and, and really trying to focus in on, you know, playing physical, but also playing with skill, having a layup sequence, being able to use the rim to protect yourself. Phil Press used to do this all the time. I, I, I like going back to former, the former guys that I played with because it was fun to watch them evolve and grow and develop and understand that they weren't the biggest guy on the floor, but it didn't mean that they had to just fall suit and go away from what got them success. They had to continue to develop that skill set and use different layup packages and spins on the ball. All those things you work on in the summer period, that's when you really develop as a player. So I go back to my original point of player development, growing your skill set, growing your game, and you can't be the same player you were a year ago. And, and you know Conzo's drilling that into them. You know the identity of their program is going to be def- defensively. But you got to show some growth from a skill standpoint and can't be the same player you were a year ago. That, that, that's at any level. That's in college. That's in the NBA. you got to keep st- st- making steps forward and then ultimately you know, really trying to come into your own and, and, and fulfill a role on your team. And there's a lot of guys that can play a significant role for this team next year. So I've been doing a little bit of a, a previewing of Missouri's non-conference schedule, and I'm not I'm not through it, but I'm I'm probably two thirds the way through it as far as uh, you know the release of these previews. Um, but it's a it's a pretty it's a challenging schedule while still being something that I I think Missouri can. Um, th- there's no game that stands out to me as a game that Missouri doesn't have the ability to win. Um, and I, I, I say that so there might be a few toss-ups. Maybe they're they're on the uh, um, on the short side of the odds on a trip to like Xavier or something like that. But but there's a realistic expectation that this is a um, that this is a, a, a non-conference schedule that Missouri could get through with maybe one or two losses and and still uh, and and kind of be okay there. So. Uh, are there any sort of pitfalls to the non-conference schedule that, that you're seeing, or, or how are you sort of looking at, at, at what they should kind of be able to achieve coming out of that? Yeah, I think their they're non-con, it's, it's competitive. It's winnable games. Uh, I touched on the Hall of Fame Classic uh, with Butler, Oklahoma, and, and, and or Stanford. Um, those are, that's good competition. Uh, winnable games. 
for sure. Um, games that are competitive and, and good tests early on in, in that non-conference slate. And you look at, at true road games too, going to Temple, going to Xavier. Those are, those are good games. Um, and again, games that are winnable for Missouri, um, and, but they're true road games. And that all leads in obviously to, to Illinois um, around the holidays. But, um, you know, you look at uh, just – the, the West Virginia game at West Virginia with, with the, the Big 12 challenge, that that's going to be a tough place to play. Um, so they're going to be challenged for sure. But I'm, I, I think that's something that Conzo is, is wanting is, is uh, when you look at the schedule and, and you look at, you know, their schedule last year, um, trying to get some true road games, also trying to get, you know, into some, some competitive um, preseason tournaments and, and really, you know, trying to grow in non-conference play. Missouri's got a chance you know, to really do some some damage in the SEC if they can take the steps forward. Um, there are some good teams that in the in the SEC, but I still think this is a year where Missouri can find themselves in in a, in a top five, top six, top seven type of type of league if they do their their what they're supposed to do. If they take steps forward, if if freshmen you know kind of come into their own uh, during league play. But it all starts in non conference play. It all starts. Um, with, with these games early on. I think Wofford at home is a good one. Um, that's right after that Xavier game. So you're, you're coming back home. You play a Wofford team that's had some good experience. They've had some good players come through that program. Um, so I, I think it's a good non-conference schedule in that it's competitive, uh, but it's also games that are winnable. And it's games that, that you're, we're going to find out a lot about their, their team early on. And they're still going to have challenges all the way through that non-conference slate leading right into to SEC play. But they're still going to win bragging rights, right? I would hope so, right? That's the one you got to circle. <laughs> um, I, I think I think that's I think that's a have to, right? That's a must. Yeah, we, um, we got to turn and, like and, the Illini's most recent streak into a a streak of of our own here, and and rattle off like six or seven straight against Brad. Yeah, I was I was you know fortunate enough to be on the team that uh, that broke that streak. We wanted to break it as a freshman. Um, with Damari's team, but um, you know, being able to to break that and then start a little run of our own was was nice. But um, you know, you talk about that win last year, even going back to the Illinois win in St. Louis last year. I mean, there was Mizzou fans were were, were excited. I was excited. They played really well. Jeremiah was was I think I call it the flu game. Um, he was he was really good in that game. Um, but but then it it just didn't really build from from there. It it it, it was one of those things where. They got hit right in the mouth in league play, and, and I don't think they – it wasn't a, a factor of not being ready, but it is different when you go from non-conference play to league play. You're in the family. It's totally different. I say that every year. Well, so they, they the opened truth. with Tennessee too, didn't they? They opened with Tennessee. Like that's a pretty um, brutal and, way to open conference play. Was, But if you remember too, I mean, they, they were competitive with Tennessee through that first 10, 12 minutes, and that was without Jeremiah, and then they just – you know, ran out of gas, and Tennessee was fantastic in that game. And defensively, it was so obvious that they were going to be an elite level program uh, that year in, in college basketball. It was a strong, obviously, year for Tennessee um, with the, the league's you know best player in Grant Williams. So, um, not how you would ideally want to start league play, but also you know a good challenge right out of the gate at home. I think that's what Conzo is trying to really get drive home with this this program it doesn't matter who you're playing it doesn't matter um the level of opponent every game is a new game and it's it's a game that is winnable it's a game that you prepare for it's a game that you have to come with the level of focus and it's it's not looking too far ahead it's looking right at that opponent and taking it one game at a time and i think with young players 
you lose a couple games, it can really affect you. You go on the road, a true road game for the first time, you might not respond. You That adversity is going to be there. It, it's What you really learn about your team is how you re- respond to that adversity. I think that's what Konzo is trying to, to drive home to take this program to the next level is, is fighting through these these setbacks and having these young players that, you know, whether it's foul trouble, whether it's missing shots, whether it's turnovers, whether it's being pulled because of defense, you know, all those things, it's things that happen, right? Players go through struggles. It's getting through those and, and really coming together as a team to compete in these games and, and have, you know, have an ability to win a game late and be in games. And I, I thought they were better last year. They still got to find ways to close games out, to take care of the basketball, we can talk about that LSU loss at home all day last year <laughs> that they didn't close. Those are games that coaches will watch film on throughout the summer, throughout the fall period, because those are games that keep you up at night, mm-hmm. and it should as a player too. So as we're uh, we're kind of getting down to the nitty-gritty in the, in the podcast here, I, I want to kind of hit on a couple more points. But uh, going into this season, we don't – quite have a clear picture on what the SEC schedule is going to look like. We know who the opponents are going to be. Uh, but, but what is the one thing that you really want to see this team sort of uh, accomplish? I don't, I don't mean like from a uh, uh, make the NCAA tournament type of thing. Like what, what is like the one thing you're looking for out of Missouri this year? I think with Missouri, it's, it's going into this year looking at it as, you know, last year, with the Jonte injury that took place before the season even started, you know, it, it really, I, I don't think it was necessarily something that took this team off course, but it was very clear that losing Jonte was a huge part of what they were going to be on both ends of the floor, offensively and defensively. Jonte was their best player. He was a guy that really was going to help them a lot. He was going to help the freshmen grow. He was going to take some pressure off of Jeremiah Tillman. He was going to take pressure off the guards He was a focus as a returner. And now you look at it as, you know, you don't have really a a staple player returning. You got some good players. You got a player in Jeremiah Tillman that has so much potential that the league knows about. But there's this unknown with him of what really is he going to be? Is he going to be able to get through this period to where he can be counted on, where he can be a significant player for this team? So I think with, with this, this, this year's team and, and really what to look for early on in the year is it, just some, some growth across the board from these guys of, number one, improvement from a skill standpoint, but trying to look at it from a, an area of this team now has an identity offensively as much as it does defensively. Because I think Conzo has gotten the point across that he's going to have a blue-collar, tough, gritty defensive team. That's great, and that's something you build on. But you do have to put the ball in the hole, and you do have to have weapons offensively, and you do have to have a guy you can go to then go get you a bucket. And Missouri really didn't have that last year. Is there a guy that's going to take that step forward to be that guy? Is it going to be Torrance Watson? Is it going to be Mark Smith? Is it going to be Drew? Will it be Jeremiah? I mean, You've you got to have a guard that can be an, a, a player that can compete and that can, can be that guy late in games. But I, I just hope that this team can show some sort of growth and some sort of identity on the offensive end. Because, yes, defense is important, and, yes, Conzo stresses it, but there has to be a level of consistency offensively. And they shot the ball really well last year. That was a great sign. But when adversity hit, when they went up against superior competition, 
it felt like a little bit of a deer in the headlights that we weren't, you know, Missouri wasn't ready for those type of games. They weren't ready for that type of moment. And that's a sign of youth. And that's okay. You didn't have a player like Jonte that has been in those moments that can, that really has the skill set and the talent and the size to do it in the SEC. Now you got some pieces, you got some young players, you got some guys that are returners, and you got a guy that can really be a focus in the interior on the offensive end, defensive end. Where's that growth going to come from? That's what I want to look for before I look at competition, before I look at SEC play. It's got to be right out of the gate to see some growth of what this team can really be. And knock on wood if you're with me to to steal a John Gruden quote, (laughs) hopefully they can stay healthy. I, I want that for Conzo. I want that for this group to just stay healthy throughout the year. You're going to have those nicks and those those minor injuries and those tweaks, but to stay healthy is really important for this group. They've had a summer together. They've, they've been working hard in the weight room with Nicodemus. I, I've seen some significant growth there from a, just a body and, and physical standpoint. That's going to help them a lot. And, and this big guard you mentality, if that toughness has to be both physically and mentally. That's the way I look at this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with a, a large swath of that, if not all of it. Um, so kind of the last thing before we, we get out of here, Jared, is is I know that you're you're a pretty positive guy when it comes to the, the overall direction of the program. Uh-huh. I know that you you really like what, what Konzo's doing and implementing. Um, over the course of, we'll say, the next five years, uh, wh- where do you think Missouri is in 2024 as a college basketball program has is Conzo putting in the bricks right now that you think is is enough in order for this team to go from maybe a team that competes uh on a fairly regular basis for the NCAA tournament which is a which is sort of what the program has been uh since you know really since like the mid 90s like this has been a, a team that has it had a few high moments, but is he putting the necessary bricks into place for this team to take another step and not just to be a, a, a team that fights to get into the NCAA tournament, but to be a team that is perennially uh, considered, uh, a, a, you know, maybe not a favorite in the SEC, but even if it's a year where they've had a lot of roster turnover, where they're still thought of in a way that, that maybe like, you know, Auburn and Tennessee are kind of at this point moving into this upcoming season? Like, is, is Conzo doing enough right now to sort of make that the case in, in five years? I think he has done enough. But, but the key is, you know, the proof's in the pudding, right? Um, and I, I hate to be cliche with that. But when I, when I look at Conzo's Tennessee teams, right, and I look at that, that third year and I, I, I go back and I, I kind of read up on, you know, what those teams were when he was at Tennessee and where he was at. Um, when that situation went down where he ended up, you know, leaving Tennessee for Cal, you know, he, he had really um, taken a class and developed some players to where Tennessee was in a really good place as far as player development was concerned. And he had some, some guys that came in together as freshmen that had some bumps in the road that struggled as freshmen that had, you know, similar to what Missouri went through last year, um, and in Conzo's first year with some younger players. Now, the first year, I, I look at Cassius Robertson, Jordan Barnett, um, some veteran guys that were were really good and, and really hit on, I, I think, really right out of the gate, such a positive direction for Conzo. They made the NCAA tournament. I mean, Cassius was such a home run get. 
uh, ended up being one of the better players in the SEC and the, one of the better three-point shooters in the league. They needed to have that. Uh, it took pressure off Jordan Barnett. Barnett could be him himself. And then obviously Jonte came through in a big way. And, and that was great for the program right out of the gate. Last year, I, I, I think there was some, some setbacks. I think there was moments of growth. This year is such a big year because I think it's really the year where you look at what Conzo is going to be. And he's been able to get some guys. He's been able to get guys from St. Louis. He's hit on some players in Chicago. He's got some guys that have transferred in, some guys that have decommitted from other programs that have come to Missouri that he has been in on in the past. And I think that's all positive. That's all good, a good sign for Conzo, the staff, and the direction of the program. But where it goes from here, it's like anything. You just keep building and building and building. And at Missouri, you have to build classes, and you have to build it the right way. You had Michael as the one and done. Even Jonte was in you know, this NBA draft discussion last year. And it's unfortunate how those situations went down. But now you, Conzo's got what he wants in place, right? He's got his guys. He's got the, the players that he recruited. He's got players that can, can really make an impact on this roster. And moving forward, he's still in on big-time guys with Caleb Love on campus, with Josh Christopher being in the conversation um, with Cameron Fletcher, you know, these guys that he's been in on, that's been a good thing. Even if he hasn't got them, it's a good thing. Now, he will have to hit on some of those if he's going to continue to put the resources, the time, the energy, and the recruitment into that. But where this team's at, they can make an, an NCAA tournament this year. They, they have pieces to where they can do that. I, I feel confident in that that can be the big step forward for this team is to get back to that NCAA tournament to be competitive in the SEC, because you have to build on success, right? You have the pieces in place, some blocks there. They have, to, they have to take the necessary steps. Again, proof's in the pudding. We'll see what happens at the end of this year to see where this program's going to go. They could be a team that competes in the SEC, that can be a top five, top six team in the SEC, and compete to get into the NCAA tournament and beyond. Once you get in the tournament, who knows what can happen from there. This team could go to a Sweet 16 two and a lady elite eight we'll see but it has to get back to the foundation of the program it's the recruitment it's the player development it's the system you play it's getting things organized offensively to have an identity on both the offensive and defensive end and then you got to lay your mark as a team that's going to show mental toughness to close games out to win games on the road and then to protect the home turf at mizzou arena and make mizzou arena an environment that we all know it's capable of right the sellouts, the, the students getting back involved, all that will come when you show the fans, when you show the state that you're headed in that direction where we know this program can go. So it's a long-winded answer. I think long-term, three to, three to five years, this team does have growth. You see the trajectory. You see where it really could get to. But there's so many things that do have to continue to take place for that to happen. But all in all, after two years and where we're at starting year, year three, I think Conzo's done a, a very good job. I think there's things that he knows that has to continue to get better the, from, from not just himself, but from the staff standpoint as well. They'll get there if they continue to stay the course and continue to, to really take this program to the next level in all phases. Jared, I love you. You know that. Uh, I say, so I say this with love, but <laughs> I think that the next uh, non-long-witted answer that you give will be your first. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I get, I get, 
I, I get thinking through and I'm like, you know, I, I, there's, there's a lot of thoughts that, that come up when I think about this program, but it's, it's just been one of those things where people have asked me about, Oh, you know, what do you think of Missouri basketball? It's been this negative connotation, right? It's, it's fans that just sort sort of put the program into this negative mindset because, Oh, they made the tournament two years ago. They didn't do much last year. I think fans are still somewhat, um, I think, a little bit lenient of what the program was even before Conzo got here. I, I still think that era of Kim Anderson, even going back to Frank Haith, it, it's not really on one person, but Conzo had a big job in, in front of him. And, and I think all thing, all intents and purposes and everything that's taken place, he's done a pretty solid job. And I'm, I'm really happy with him as the head coach. He's a perfect guy as, as far as just being a role model and his story, his passion uh, he's just a, he's a great dude. There's no other way to say it. And I, I, I'm just pulling for him. I know a lot of our former guys are. Um, so it's long winded, but I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for Conzo. I really do think he's the guy that can really turn this program uh, into something that's going to contend in the SEC and hopefully into the NCAA tournaments for years to come. I think I think the right word for um, maybe, the, you know, the casual fan is apathy. And that's one of the things that sort of permeated a lot of Missouri sports. So, you know, maybe the last, you know, six years or so. Um, you know, if you sort of subtract out, uh, you know, the, the, you know, 2013 football team that had, you know, really big success and, and, uh, the, the 2012, uh, I think it was a uh, basketball team that, um, you know, Frank Hayes first year that I think really kind of captured a lot of people's interests. Um, it's sort of kind of been steadily, uh, downhill from, uh, from an interest standpoint. And, and, and I, I really think that both, you know, Barry Odom and, and Conza Martin are guys that are, are doing everything that they can to sort of rebuild the brand of, of Missouri football and basketball. And, um, and I, I think it's close. I really do. Like, I think, I think Missouri makes the NCAA tournament this year. And I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily know if they're going to be like a, a five seed or a 11 seed, but I think they're going to make it. And, uh, and I think that that Missouri football is a real opportunity to win, you know, nine games or, or ten if they're fortunate, and um, and and that's sort of a, that's sort of a, a record in both places where you can start to kind of see the build happening, and um, and it's an it's an important uh, time for for both of those uh, you know really prime revenue sports to to kind of have men like like Barry Odom and Conza Martin in control and guys that uh, are really excited to be there and, and excited for what they can build. So uh, with that said, it is time for us to get out of here. As usual, uh, you can always follow Jarrett and his uh, uh, shorter thoughts on Twitter because he's limited by characters. Um, at Jarrett T. Sutton. Not as long-winded. <laughs> uh, at Jarrett T. Sutton on Twitter. Uh, all the T's, remember. Uh, I am Sam T. Snelling because I like to impersonate Jarrett as much as possible. Uh, and this has been an episode of Bench Minutes. Make sure you listen to uh, The Fifth Down with Mitch Bennett. You've got uh, Nate doing another episode of Before the Box Score uh, this week. Uh, so we'll have all the podcasts coming your way. Uh, another another football game this weekend. Uh, make sure you are subscribed to Rockin' Radio Podcast. Or I, I still say Rockin' Radio. Jarrett, it's not Rockin' Radio anymore. It is Rockin' Nation Podcast. We are part of the SB Nation Podcast family. Um, so Rockin' Nation Podcast. Subscribe, rate, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and I will be back next week with uh, another podcast. Probably not with Jarrett. We'll, we'll give him some time off. Uh, but uh, until until then, thanks for tuning in.